When it comes to investing, retirement, taxes, healthcare, and estate planning, the decisions you make today can greatly affect the quality of life for you and your loved ones tomorrow. What you need is straight and unbiased information on the most important issues you'll face when planning for your retirement and financial future. Good news, you found the Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout. Grant is the founder of Dorhout Retirement Services, and he's been guiding people financially and into retirement for nearly 20 years. So get ready for an hour of the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. It's time for the Retirement Blueprint. And now, here are your hosts, Grant Dorhout and Jeff Shea. Good morning, and thank you so much. Welcome to the Retirement Blueprint, the show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. On today's show, we're going to be talking about a holiday end-of-year checklist. Also, the Trump tax cuts expire in 2025, what that may mean for you. Also, misconceptions about owning real estate and finally terrible money mistakes that you might hear over the holidays. My name is Jeff Shade, and I'm just here to ask the questions for you. But of course, the words of wisdom itself advice come from Grant Dorhout, founder and wealth advisor of Dorhout Retirement Services right here in Omaha. Grant, how are you doing today? Very excited to be here. Just a couple more days until my daughter's wishes is, is officially here. And now we have December 25, just two days away. And she is so excited. Yes, I, we yeah. were talking off the air just a little bit ago about how much she's been bugging my boys with the Christmas music and all the Christmas talk. But very excited for this time of year. Well, that's part for the course. What is Haley like 11 years old now or something? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so 11. that is part for the course for being 11 years old. Of course you're excited. She's excited. But then my 12 year old son, he's kind of excited just to bug her, really, the way it seems a lot of times. So. <laughs> but yeah, really, really fun weekend here. Yeah, well, that's that's great. You've got younger children there. And uh, certainly, I think that makes Christmas all the more special. And of course, giving is so important at this time of the year, too. We get some gifts, but I get pleasure really from giving and helping other families. As I, I think I've mentioned on the show, we had a family here recently who lost their house and all of their possessions in a fire. And we've just been so joyful in uh, making their lives whole again. So remember what Christmas is all about. And certainly we are thankful for our audience here in Omaha, Nebraska for joining us each and every week here on the Retirement Blueprint. So let's get started here for this holiday weekend grant. Now as an advisor, I can only imagine the workload that you've got as the year comes to an end. I mean, you know, reviewing financial plans and so forth. But let's take this moment and review some of the year-end tasks that must be done before we usher in the new year. Now are all of these tasks that we're going to be talking about today, do they have to be done before the end of the year or can some wait until just after the end of the year, but still be sort of retroactive? Yeah, some can wait until after the end of the year, but the majority you're going to want to get done before before the 31st. You know, you mentioned the the, the, the workload that we have this time of year. I had a client just a couple days ago that they were in my office and they, they mentioned that I looked a little tired. And I said, yeah, I am because uh, we got a lot to do before sure. the clock strikes midnight on, on December 31. So uh, a lot of things that you should do here in the upcoming week and just just be mindful of them. We don't need to freak out about them, but uh, but we need to be mindful of them. Yeah, and towards this time of the year too, typically between Christmas and New Year's, I will go down a list of things that I want to accomplish in 2024. And among those, I would think financially is going to be rebalance or adjust your portfolio. How does that work and what should you really be looking at and how could you possibly do that? Yeah, so if you don't have a portfolio that automatically adjusts for you, that's the way we have a lot of our passive investments where we have a, a structure of 
certain ETFs or stocks or different models that we have, including bonds and whatever. If it gets out of balance, it's automatically going to rebalance for us. But if you don't have that done, let's say you have a 401k, I would highly encourage people to look at where they're at. And, and if they're trying to achieve a 60-40 blend, for instance, between stocks and bonds, if I'm not suggesting that for anyone out there. I'm just saying as an example, if that's what you're trying to angle for, take a look at your 401k right now. This is the week to do it. You're probably a little bit slower at work and uh, just take a look and see, well, gosh, you know, we had this this recent rally in the stock market. Maybe am I at 65% stock now mm -hmm. uh, and 35% and bond? Maybe you need to do a little bit of rebalancing inside of your 401k or in your own personal portfolio where you're trying to just manage it yourself. If you have a whole bunch of stocks, I would encourage people, if you're trying to have no more than 5% in any one stock, well, look at which ones have exploded at the end of this year in the last couple months and make sure you're not having too much exposure to that one individual stock. And if you don't rebalance, of course, you could accidentally get too much exposure in certain positions. So consider rebalancing or updating your portfolio. And of course, Grant can help you with that too. We're going to give you the phone number here in just a moment to do that. The next one on our end of year checklist is going to be look for tax loss harvesting opportunities. So explain what tax loss harvesting really is and what it's all about. Yeah. So if you're looking for some tax loss harvesting, maybe you have something that has a big gain that has already created a taxable event for you this year. Let's say you have a non-qualified account. If you have had that already, let's say it's $10,000 that's going to be reported on your 1099. Maybe you look for, I had a friend I was having lunch with just a couple days ago. He was mentioning about, he had a couple of different stocks that absolutely, that he was taking a big swing. It was big risk, big reward type. Well, he, he got the risk side of it. So for someone like that, if you've got something that just hasn't worked out, you could always go ahead and sell out of that position to offset the gain that you had in another position in some of your, your non-qualified accounts. So this is a good week to do that. Make sure that you don't go buy that stock back immediately though, because there are rules about having a wash sale that okay. if you if you buy it back too quickly, then what you're trying to achieve with your tax loss harvesting won't even be accomplished. We're talking about our end-of-year checklist with Grant Dorhout here of Dorhout Retirement Services right here in Omaha. Our number, if you want to ask your questions, 402-281-0750. It's 402-281-0750. Okay, so we talked about rebalancing our portfolio, also looking for tax loss harvesting opportunities. Next one is to update your allocations based on your financial goals. This really sort of applies to risk, does it not? Oh, absolutely. This coming year, what you have to have is you have to have an update on what your outlook is. If you're trying to do this management on your own, are you looking at these monies for a 10-year period or are we looking at them for more of a two or a three-year period? And that would completely change how you're going to want to have these monies invested. Let's just take $100,000 for instance. If I have $100,000 being invested and I'm looking for a 10-year period, that doesn't necessarily mean that you just want to put pedal to the metal this coming year. If you have good intel that in the, the sector that you're in, that it's going to be not as advantageous advantageous to be super ultra aggressive, you may want to pull that back into a growth mode. That being said, if you're on the other side of the spectrum, if you're sitting in a growth style or a, or a moderate portfolio and your goal is going to be aggressive growth, make sure you're making that change. If you have a big life change coming up, if there's a, a wedding, if there's some big trip that you have to take next year, if you have to buy a car or a camper or anything, fill in the blank. If you have all of your money sitting in something that's 
growth or aggressive and you have some of these expenses coming up in the next six, eight, 12 months, I would pull back the risk. I, would, I wouldn't want to take that risk. Now, that being said, eight months down the road, you might look back and say, well, gosh, you know what? I really should have had that aggressively invested. That's for a short period of time and you can't look at it that way. You have to look at, okay, what's the worst possible scenario that could happen here? And if I have a fixed expense that's coming in six, eight months, the worst possible scenario is that your anticipation for what the market is going to do, if it's a bullish type of anticipation, worst thing that can happen is if you have $100,000, that now is 80,000 and now you have to dip into some other investments to make up that difference. So make sure that it's, it's gonna be goals-based and not emotionally based. Emotionally based is what we're gonna see a lot of people do in this upcoming year with, with the election. I've been guilty of it as well recently, just thinking, oh goodness, I hope this isn't gonna be another 2020 in terms mm -hmm. of what happened in our, uh, in our world. And obviously with COVID, what happened, but also all that social unrest that happened in 2020, that kind of gave me a little pit in my stomach, but then I had to take a step back and say, no, we have to look at this logically and facts-based and see, okay, what are we going to do do for 2024. Let's not make this emotional decision because emotional decisions are going to get you in trouble financially. Yeah, absolutely. Emotions have no place in financial planning. Grant, last year, inflation was, I think, in double digits. It certainly come down. But as a retiree, if you're looking for income planning and you're trying to plan things out for 2024, should inflation still be something that you want to take a look at in terms of, you know, how much income you're going to need? Yeah, that's a great point, Jeff. You know, we're, some people are going to start getting lulled to sleep thinking that, well, gosh, you know what? It's not going up as much. I heard 3% now. You know, it's probably going to go back even further. And with, uh, you know, Jerome Powell talking about the, the potential interest rate cuts that we're going to have in 2024, maybe we don't have that big of a concern. I think that's a colossal mistake. If you're not building in inflation into your plan, you're going to have a, a big surprise in retirement. And it, it might not be a big surprise next year. It might be the following year or the year after that or five years down the road or maybe even 10 years down the road where you have a big surprise as to how much money we're spending at that point compared to when we maybe retired, which might be today. Well, if, if this is someone that really wants to make it through retirement and have it work out and fully fund your goal, which is having income throughout the rest of your life, you got to factor for inflation. And I, and I would challenge people to really think about it. Think about 10, 15, 20 years ago. Think about in 2003. Think about what you were making back in 2003. And you were making ends meet then, but that was significantly less than what it is today. The same thing is going to happen regardless of if, if inflation has cooled, which it has, but we're still going to have inflation. So I encourage everyone, if you're going to build that income plan, you got to factor in every single year a certain amount of increase. And especially if you don't have a pension that is increasing, if your pension is stagnant, you got to build that into the stress that it puts on the portfolio before you actually feel comfortable with what your income plan looks like. We're talking about our year-end checklist with Grant Dorhout of Dorhout Retirement Services. The next one is to review your investments and products to make sure that your money is doing what you wanted to do, what you intended it to do when you initially put it to work. Yeah, Jeff, this is a great point. You'll hear me say, if, if someone spends any significant amount of time in my office with me, they're going to hear that the why is more important than the what. Okay, so I don't care what it is. Why did I purchase it? What is our end game? What's our goal? Because if I purchase, let's say, a particular mutual fund, let's say it's a growth stock mutual fund. I heard someone talking about that on the radio recently. You know, growth stock mutual fund. Well, if I try and make that an income product or an income producing 
asset, that's not going to work out always. It might work out in certain periods of time, but it's not going to work out reliably. So you're going to want to allow assets to do what they were intended to do. So there are five things that money can really do for you. If you think about it, we can have growth, we can have safety, we have liquidity, we have tax savings, and then we can have cash flow. So when we're building an income plan, I'm going to focus on that cash flow. Am I going to go to a growth stock mutual fund and say, that's going to be my income generator? Or am I going to go to something like an annuity or a structured note that is actually designed to create certain amounts of income? Well, we're going to start looking at it in a totally different way. If you don't have, let's say there's a $100,000 income need and we have between social security, annuity or pension payments and structured notes, we have things that are paying out at $85,000 per year. Well, if I'm not having that additional $15,000 in a reliable way, I could have some surprises in retirement that aren't going to be great for me. On the flip side, if I look at growth, if I look at growing my money, that's not just, okay, I'm going to grow this and I'm so I'm just going to throw this, uh, the caution to the wind and I'm going to just put this money in the market and just let it go. Well, if you're looking at it, you're going to have different stages of growth though. My 82 and 80 year old parents, they should have some aggressive growth funds that are 10 year plus funds. Even though they're 82 and 80, we can have a portion. Now it might be a very, very, very small portion, but a portion of their funds would be 10 year plus money, meaning that it can be aggressively invested. And then on the flip side, if you look at moderately invested assets, that's funds that we're looking at. Hey, we might need these funds in three to five years. That's when I'm going to want to be invested moderately. You shouldn't have everything in one sector or one area because it's not going to be able to satisfy what you need. If you need liquidity, that's going to be looking at what I, what I talked about just a little while ago. What if I need a car? What if I need a camper? What if I need to pay for a wedding or a college or something like that? I'm going to need liquidity. And then, and then the growth isn't going to be as important as just making sure that the money is there. The return of that money is more important than the return on it. So I'm going to keep that liquid so it's there when I need it to spend on things that I need. And then tax savings, well, how are we going to have that? Are we going to look at someone that has a million dollars in a traditional IRA and they want to withdraw these funds throughout? retirement, but they have concerns over our rising potential for rising taxes in retirement. Well, them, we might want to consider some Roth conversion. On the flip side, we might have a business owner that, you know, he's in the highest tax bracket right now, and he, he wants to get some tax write-offs. So different ways that we can create tax savings or, or tax opportunities for people, just depending on what their situation is. And Grant, before we continue, I want to take a moment to remind our listeners how they can have a conversation with you to ask their questions about their end-of-year checklist. If you want answers about your checklist, then I suggest that you request your no-cost, no-obligation, no-judgment Doorhout Retirement Services review by calling 402-281-0750. Once again, that number is 402-281-0750. When you call, you get a friendly voice, more than likely Lisa, who will gather some basic information from you. Then she'll set you up with a conversation with Grant to create a path towards a successful retirement. Now, the fellow that you hear on the radio today is the fellow that you'll be talking with there at Doorhout Retirement Services. You don't hear Grant on the radio, then go in and it's some other advisor, and then you get passed off to another advisor. It doesn't work like that at Doorhout Retirement Services. So once again, that number, 402-281-0750. You can also request your complimentary consultation online at DoorhoutRetirementServices.com. It's DoorhoutRetirementServices.com. So Grant, you can hear the Christmas music beginning there. I'm going to do this for Haley Dorhout, age 11, who is so excited about Christmas. Haley, this is for you. Enjoy that music. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more of the Retirement Blueprint right here on News Talk 1290, COIL. 
can't start a trip you've never taken without a plan. And you can't start your retirement journey without a comprehensive plan to get there safely. To request your no-cost, no-obligation Dorhout Retirement Roadmap, call 402-281-0750 or request it online at DorhoutRetirementServices.com. Now, back to more of Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout and Jeff Shade. Merry Christmas, happy holidays. Thank you so much for making this weekend as great as it is because you're listening to us, The Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout. My name is Jeff Shade and we have just been discussing end of year checklists, some things that you want to try to check off by the end of the year. There are some of those things that you can do after the first of the year. And once again, if you have questions about anything on our program today, maybe you've got suggestions about some things you'd like us to talk about or comments on the show. You can get those to us by calling 402-281-0750. 402-281-0750. You can also email us from our website, which is DorhoutRetirementServices.com. Okay, Grant, let's continue with our checklist. We've talked about rebalancing or adjusting or updating your portfolio, looking into tax harvesting opportunities, updating your allocations as far as risk goes, updating your plan and income needs, and reviewing your investments to make sure that your money is doing what you want it to do. The next one is going to be updating your 401k contributions. Yeah, so you want to do a couple of things here. I would encourage you. I mean, we're on December 23 right now. We still got eight days until the end of the year. You still could max out how much you can put in the 401k. As a reminder, that's $22,500 for this year. So if you're looking for some additional money to get into the investments uh, this year, you still can get up to that 22.5 limit. Now, on the flip side, I'm looking at next year, updating those contributions, making sure we just talked about rebalancing that 401k here a second ago. You're going to want to make sure that what you're investing in next year is going to be the right mixture as well. A strategy that you could do is if you have you know, maybe not enough in bond right now based on your 60-40 model, maybe you're okay with that and you could adjust it to be a little bit more aggressive next year depending on your proximity to retirement. So making sure that if there's some new uh, new allocations that you can actually utilize inside of your 401k, they might be something that you can take advantage of maybe either for the next year or the next couple of years or maybe it's something you want to look at long term. I would highly encourage that you get some analysis done on that before you just uh, say, well, hey, you know what? This looks like a good historical. I'm going to go with that one. A historical average looking at since inception, which might be 20, 30, 40 years, that might not be something great for the next couple of years. So you should get some analysis done on that. If you don't know how, there are plenty of competent people out there that can. We help people with that all the time when we utilize our digital allocation tool, just showing them, hey, this is exactly what's inside of it. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it, but you got to be aware of this part that could be a potential drawback. So absolutely looking at what you have going on in that 401k for the coming years, extremely important right now. Okay, so that's updating your 401k contributions. Grant, what's the next one? Review your beneficiary designations, making sure that you know how you have people getting what you have uh, have amassed in your wealth, uh, making sure that that is done. You have to review that regularly. We've seen it before where people don't have that done properly, and then things, uh, <laughs> maybe it might be a parent that passes away, making sure that you help them with that as well. So my parents years ago, this is probably, oh, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, when I was in my 20s, my parents 
parents had mentioned that they thought they needed to get their will done again because they didn't think they added me to their will yet. Oh, wow. And, and, that, and that was when I was in my 20s. If you're 20s. in that situation, yes, I would highly suggest if that's you out there, if you're saying, I haven't got my will yeah. updated or or my trust beneficiaries, just haul that stuff out. Like I said earlier, uh-huh. you probably got a little extra time this week. This is a good time yeah. to just make sure, okay, yep, that looks exactly the way that I want it to. Wills, trust, beneficiaries on your, not only on your investment accounts, but if you have annuities, if you have life insurance, your checking accounts, making sure that that's all lined up properly. Very good time to, to just make sure everything looks exactly the way that it should going into the new year. And if your parents had not done that, think of the consequences, Grant, when they eventually mm-hmm. passed away. What? I'm left out of the will. What did I ever do? So think <laughs> yeah. about the consequences if you do not do some of those things and save yourself and your family a lot of strife. End of year checklist. We're talking about that with Grant Dorhout. The next one is considering an IRA to Roth conversions. I think that's a pretty important one. Yep. Just met with a client about this. They they brought up about having some additional expenses that their CPA brought up to them from a real estate transaction gone bad. Uh, they bought a house or they bought a piece of land years and years ago. Turns out they lost a significant amount of money on this piece of land. And they had a lot of expenses that their CPA was bringing up that, hey, they can take that into consideration. So it gave us some additional leeway in terms of how much we could convert and converting it into Roth IRA. Ray, we, what we were looking at with them is they were in retirement and they're on Social Security and they wanted to make sure that they weren't going to pay additional IRMA in terms of their having too much income and being on Social Security. So we had to keep in mind that $194,000 limit and, and make sure that we got up close to it, but not over it. We want to make sure that we're not unnecessarily costing ourselves uh, additional Medicare premiums in the coming years just by one simple mistake. We had someone come to us a couple of years ago that had a uh, an advisor that uh, that they went over it by less than a thousand dollars, and as a result, they got to pay that extra Medicare premium for a couple of years. That was that was a pretty big deal. That you just want to make sure that you're not going over that number. With this particular person, we we sat down and we said, okay, they said, well. I can go up to this amount. And I said, well, let's let's pull that back a little bit just in case there's something in your numbers that you gave me that aren't quite exact. And before we do this, I'd love for you to call your CPA and just verify those numbers with the person that's going to sign your tax returns. And, and, and I would encourage anyone that's thinking about, yeah, maybe I should do some Roth conversion right now. If those are concerns, make sure with your CPA, make sure with whoever is going to do your taxes, make sure that they agree with the numbers that you have so you don't have a surprise come April. And Grant, because of the uncertain economy and uh, just the markets and so forth, I mean, charities have really gone looking for more donations. They're hurting. And I think at this time of the year, we should consider them and what their needs are, especially here during the holidays. So I think this is probably a pretty good time to review your charitable gifting strategy, right? Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. Looking at how much you're giving to charities and maybe you got some additional income that you had toward the end of the year. And it's it's one of those things that, you know, if you look at tithing, if you're if you're not quite there and you want to make sure that you're there, now's a great time. A lot of different charities, a lot of different churches that are needing funding that you should update what you're doing there. And you could could have it if you're in retirement, if you if there's something that really catches your eye in terms of a charity that you've been working 
working with for a long time. Maybe now is the time to have some money sent from your investment accounts, maybe an IRA sent directly to that charity where you can do the qualified charitable distribution out of that IRA. It could be a great benefit for that charity at this point. So if I'm hearing you correctly, Grant, you can directly gift your gains to the charity bypassing you. Thus, that would I would imagine that that would also be some tax savings too, right? There is a tax benefit in doing that. We have that with several people that we we've done that over the years. If they're if they don't need the required minimum distribution, for instance, if they don't have to have that for their living expenses, the, the, a lot of people will have that sent directly to their church. And yes, it bypasses them. It gives them a, a little bit of an advantage in terms of their, their tax return for the coming year. Let's talk about gifting to your family before the year end under the gift tax rules. Yeah, Jeff, that's a good point. A lot of people do think about that. You know, maybe they're trying to get some money out of their estate, so they start thinking about uh, blessing their kids while while they're around yet, and they they're thinking about how much can they give to their kids. That limit is actually seventeen thousand dollars each now this year. So, uh, so if you have a situation where, let's say, if my parents wanted to do that, my dad could give me seventeen, and my mom could give me seventeen, and my dad could give my wife seventeen and my mom could give my wife 17. So it could be a total of $68,000 per couple where you don't have to file any, uh, you don't have any problems with gift tax exclusions or, or any gifting tax that you're going to have to, to worry about in the future. So that, that's the limit that you can you could bless them with on, uh, on Christmas morning if you'd like to. We're not going to do that, obviously, but, uh, <laughs> but this is an option for people to be able to gift to those that they love at this time of year. Yeah, not a lot of people are going to wrap up $68,000 and put it under the tree. But nevertheless, it is good to know if you're wanting to gift children at this time of the year. Maybe it's for a down payment for a house, something like that. So these are some facts that you need to know. We've been talking about some end of year checklist items with Grant Dorhout here at Dorhout Retirement Services. And once again, those items are, and once again, those items are rebalancing, adjusting your portfolio before the end of the year, looking for tax loss harvesting opportunities, updating your allocations based on your financial goals. That is, uh, are you taking too much risk, updating your plan and income needs, and making sure your money is doing what you want it to do. We also talked about updating your 401k contributions, reviewing your beneficiary designations, considering an IRA to Roth conversions, reviewing your charitable gifting strategy, and finally, gifting cash to the family before the end of the year. Once again, if you've got questions about your gifting strategy or taking care of some of these end-of-the-year checklist items, our number 402-281-0750. Give that call today and ask to come in and sit down with Grant and get your comp complimentary retirement blueprint. It's not going to cost you a dime. Once again, that number 402-281-0750 or online at doorhoutretirementservices.com. Well, Grant, in just about a week or so, the calendar is going to turn from 2023 to 2024, and that puts us that much closer to the time when the Trump-era tax cuts are set to expire. That would be December 31st of 2025. So let's talk in this segment about some key tax adjustments that you'll need to consider before they turn back at the end of 2025. So what's the first one here? Yeah, the first one's income tax rates. That's going to be pretty simple that those rates are going to, in all likelihood, change unless they extend it. Now, there is a possibility that they extend this here in the next couple of years yet. I don't think that's going to happen this year, especially with it being an election year, but you're going to see your percentages change. So if you're a really high income earner and, and you're in the 37% federal tax bracket, you're going to see that jump to 39.6. On the flip side, if you have someone that's in the 12% bracket, then it, it's going to 
jump up to 15s. Instead of it going from 10, 12, 22, 24, 32, 37, you're going to see those numbers change from 10, 15, 25, 28, 33, and then 39.6. So it's going to be a difference in the percentage, but what's going to be even more is going to be the, the threshold for where you're going to hit those numbers. We don't know what that's going to be yet, though. And these bracket backslides mean that every American is going to need to reassess their spending and tax returns to pay around 1% to 4% more in personal taxes unless provisions are extended or revised uh, or made permanent over the next 28 months. The next one relates to the standard deduction, Grant. Yeah, standard deduction, I don't know exactly where that's going to go yet, but if you look at the standard deduction before the 2017 tax year, it was 6350 for single filers, 9350 for the head of household, and then 12700 for those that are married filing jointly. So if you have someone that, you know, maybe they have their uh, a mortgage right now that they're thinking about getting rid of, it could make sense to hang on to that mortgage if it's going to allow you to get into itemizing instead of using the standard deduction. Just because you're using the standard deduction now doesn't mean that you're going to use the standard deduction always. But as a reminder, looking at our standard deduction currently in the year 2023, you're looking at 13350 And then for married filing joint, you're going to be looking at 277 So it's a significant amount of difference right. that you have from your standard deduction potentially here in just a couple years. Okay, Grant, and Forbes estimates that 90% of taxpayers chose to claim the standard deduction in 2023, so that certainly may change. Final one is the estate tax exemption. How do we forecast that that's going to change if it changes? I'm glad you brought that up too, Jeff, because this, this this one expanded exponentially. It actually went from individuals about five and a half million in 2017 actually 5.49 million up to 11.18 million in 2018 it actually if you look at how much this has increased for married couples in 2023 it's up to 25.84 million now i have no idea how much that's going to change i would have an anticipation if we're going to have these rate increases in terms of percentages and the threshold in terms of where you're going to enter these different brackets, I would have to assume that we're going to see that number come down. We don't know how much that's going to be yet, but we'll know soon enough. That being said, I think that there is still a chance that we extend this in the next couple years. Uh, Again, I really don't see it in, in 2024, especially with it being an election year, but we could see it in 2025, depending on what happens next November. Grant, if our listeners have questions about how the Trump-era tax cuts expiring in 2025 would apply to them, once again, I encourage you to call Grant there at Doorhout Retirement Services. Sit down with Grant and ask your particular questions and plan for these expiring. There is no guarantee that they won't expire. Chances are right now that they will expire, but you want to be covered either way. Our telephone number, 402-281-0750. A chance for you to sit down with Grant, ask your individual questions, sort of a public service, if you will, to create a path towards a successful retirement that could last 30 years. Remember, it's not going to cost you a dime, but it could uncover some blind spots that when addressed could help improve your quality of life. Once again, that number 402-281-0750, or you can request your complimentary consultation online at doorhoutretirementservices.com. It's D-O-R-H-O-U-T retirementservices.com. Want more strategies to support the quality of life you want for 30 plus years? Stick around. There's more Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout in just a moment. Ready to climb a mountain of financial know-how? 
good because it's time for more Retirement Blueprint with your financial Sherpas, Grant Dora and Jeff Shea. Thank you so much for including us in your holiday weekend plans. This is a Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout. I'm Jeff Shade, and we have had a valuable show today for you. Boy, if you have missed that or you want to hear the show all over again, don't worry. We're also a podcast. Just go to wherever you get your podcasts, search for the Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout. You're going to be getting this show and all of our past shows so you can stay on top of your wealth and your journey to a successful retirement. Grant, let's uh, in this segment talk about active landlords. And I know here in the Omaha area. We've got a lot of people who own investment real estate. They may own apartment complexes or a few rental houses, or maybe they've got land or something, but it's investment real estate. And I find that there are a lot of misconceptions that people have about the money that they're making from this investment real estate. I've heard people say, I'm making 10% on this. You can't possibly do better than that. But when you really drill down to it, they're not making 10% on their investment real estate. So let's start there with some misconceptions about being an active landlord that can lead to unrealistic expectations. Number one is, Grant, this is totally passive income. All I've got to do is just collect the rents. Yes, it is passive in some form, but that doesn't mean that there is zero involvement by the owner. Now, I have some people that I know that they they actively manage their own property, and and that's totally fine. They avoid the property manager and that fee, which can be 6 to 10%, sometimes even more of whatever the rents are, but then they are the one that has to answer the phone call and go fix the toilet. They got to go do the electrical work, or they got to get someone in there in order to do those things for them. And then there are other people that that they use a property manager. I've done this myself here in Omaha, Jeff, where I had a property manager on a rental property that I thought that it was gonna free me up enough at my office that utilizing that property manager. And what I found was that property manager was still calling me constantly and mm-hmm. uh, and making it so that I still had to deal with things on a day-to-day basis. And the fact of the matter is I've had real estate going back to 2005 was when we started getting properties in initially. And whether you manage it yourself or if you utilize a property manager, it is not completely passive where you just sit back and collect checks. There is always still some sort of hassle that you're going to deal with. And we'll deal with some of the others, but there is definitely some active involvement that you're going to need. Some people are fine with it. Some people have no problem with the involvement that they have to have in their real estate because they see the big picture or they don't have something else uh, like their own business that's pulling them away from those properties. And that's totally fine, but that's definitely not a hard and fast rule that you just sit back and collect checks. That's very rare, actually. Yeah, and it couldn't be further from the truth. I think if you have active uh, real estate that you're managing, in reality, is a part-time job, if not a full-time job. So consider that if you're getting into uh, rental real estate. Next one is that this is really easy money, Grant. Yeah, easy money. If you have anyone that tells you easy money, they are flat out wrong. If someone is making a lot of money in real estate, whether they're doing flips, there's a guy that actually stopped by my office that's in my office building and they they flip homes and and they're very, very successful at it. They do make good money, but it is definitely not easy. They have amassed a lot of expertise over a long time period and they've made a lot of mistakes and they've learned from those mistakes and they've been able to get 
past that to where they are making good money flipping homes. And if you have a rental property, that's also not easy money. If you look at having a property that you purchase that's 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, and you start fixing it up, I can speak from experience right here in Omaha when I had one of these properties uh, not that long ago in Papillion, that when you start fixing it up and you start digging, the more you dig, the more you have to fix. And you can have your bills go from, I I think I can just do a little bit of minimal fix up for $10,000. Next thing you know, you can spend $30,000 pretty easy. And so it's definitely not easy money. It definitely can be very profitable. But if someone's very successful at it, I can promise you they've paid their dues to get there. And to that end, Grant, I want to talk about unrealistic returns. Some people say, hey, I'm making 10% of my rental property. But to your point there, it really isn't that way. When you dig down about the expenses that you're spending there, you're not making 10%. You may make 3%. You may make 2%. Is that a good way to look at this? Yeah, depending on the property, you're definitely not going to just be as simple as, well, I have a property that I purchased for $150,000 cash and I have $15,000 in rents. I am I'm making 10% on my money. And I think I don't think a lot of people are going to think that that simplistically. I'm I'm pointing that out as just an example. But let's say if someone is doing that, they, they're ignoring the taxes and the insurance and the upkeep and the maintenance and everything that can happen with that property where depending on the property, you could cut that in half what your actual net return is. And I would say, I would challenge anyone that says, yeah, I, gar- I guarantee I'm making X amount. Why do I have people coming into my office that I've met over the years then? Uh, I have one that pops into my head that she has I think she, the last I remember it was 80 doors that wow. she has that she yeah she's got she's got a lot of money that's wrapped up into these properties but what she has as a taxable income off of these properties is not phenomenal at all it's absolutely not her value of the homes has gone up exponentially but she's putting so much back into these properties so her income is actually not great at all i mean if you have in this scenario if she's got 80 doors you're talking you know, eight figures in terms of net worth, and she's not making $150,000 off those properties. That's not a phenomenal rate of return from an income standpoint. She has a lot of money that's wrapped up in those properties, but she's definitely not making 10%. Yeah. And these properties also are not terribly liquid. You can't just trade them like stocks. I mean, if you want to sell one, it's going to take a little bit of time. I wanted to throw that in about the liquidity aspect of this. We're talking about some possible problems or some misconceptions that you might have if you're an active landlord and you own, as I said, apartment buildings or houses right here, or maybe even land in the Omaha area that you're renting out. The next one is super easy tenant selection. Boy, I tell you, it's just a breeze, (laughs) isn't it? Yeah, right. And there are some people that have really, really good luck. I have a guy that goes to my church. He's had really, really good, well, fortune over the years. I don't want to say luck for him because he he developed a very, very good vetting process that uh, that he's had some long-term tenants. On the flip side, you're going to have the majority of people, they're not going to go with a tenant for the next 10 years that's going to take care of their property and it's going to be all sunshine and rainbows. There's typically going to be 
some vacancies. So looking at how often is that going to be? Are you going to have it vacant 10% of the time over a 10-year period? Well, that's that's a full year. And, and that that's a huge expense that some people don't really think about that. You know, I had a property years ago back in, I believe it was 2007 or 2008, that they didn't pay their rent. And all of a sudden we go to try and find out what's going on. And they had not only not paid the rent, but they left the house. They left wow. the door open in the middle of winter mm. and they left the place uh, as an absolute pit. There was no way that I, wow. I mean, up until that month, there was nothing that could suggest that they would do this to this right. really, really nice home. But those things happen. And then you got these other repairs that come along. And I mean, they were completely vetted up until that month. Everything mm. was sunshine and rainbows with this right. particular tenant, but this can happen at any property at any time. Yeah, and I think desperate people do desperate things. That certainly wasn't the thing to do, but they thought that was really the only answer. And so Mm -hmm. you had to deal with that. That is very unfortunate, but sometimes you will have a tenant, too, who stops paying the rent or can't pay the rent for one reason or another or maybe violates the lease, and you've got to evict them. There's another misconception that you're not going to be facing any legal issues as well. Yeah, Jeff, no legal issues. That's a complete misconception. I mean, if, if you're if you're going through your real estate career and you never are going to have anything legal go on, that I think that that's a really, really pie-in-the-sky attitude that, that I don't think is really reasonable because we don't know when the next pandemic is going to happen. But remember back in 2020, 2021, when we had a situation with the pandemic when people couldn't go to work, well, all of a sudden we got issues depending on the area where people People couldn't be evicted and they didn't have to pay their rent depending, again, depending on the area and depending on the time. You can't dictate that. You can't change that. And so that part is is a huge deal in terms of the vacancies. But then what if they trash your home and then they leave? And what are you going to do to try and get that recouped from that person other than go through the legal system? And that's that's definitely a possibility for anyone that's going to be doing any form of real estate. You're dealing with big dollars. In, in that situation. And like you said just a little bit ago, you know, desperate people do desperate things. And right. as a result, you don't know what type of situation the person that's in your home is going to go through over the next one or two or five years that you can't predict or control. Right. And you could sue those tenants and you could win in court and you could get a judgment. But then collecting that judgment is a different thing. If they didn't have the money to pay the rent, they don't have the money to collect the judgment. So that's something to consider, too. Finally, it's guaranteed profit. If I've got a rental house or some rental properties, I am guaranteed that I'm going to make a profit. Yeah, that is far from the truth. It's <laughs> not, there's no guarantees. Yeah. Because it, if you think about it, if there's no risk involved, why would the potential reward be so great? Yeah, you mm-hmm. can make hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars in real estate if you're really, really good at it. But there are definitely some times where you're going to get caught, where there's you know maybe a mold situation that you really had no idea about or foundation issues that we've run across over the years. Those types of things that you don't know know about that that can arise and take that guaranteed profit and throw it right out the window. So it's definitely not guaranteed. Like I said, the people that are very successful in real estate, that are making a lot of money in real estate, they've paid their dues. They've had things that have gone wrong. I don't believe that there's people out there that uh, I've I watched a show a while back where they said, yeah, we've, we've flipped thousands of homes and we've never taken a loss on a property. I yep. don't think that that's, uh, I think that's for TV only. I mean, that, the reality 
is, it's very difficult to do that in a predictable way. And the ones that do it, do it very well. And yes, they could be profitable, but it's not guaranteed by any stretch of the imagination. Well, I think to be a successful landlord, it's crucial to have a realistic understanding of the responsibilities, the challenges involved with doing that, and the profit potential. And I know that you there at Doorhout Retirement Services do have some solutions to people who have these particular problems. So with that in mind, I want people to call 402-281-0750. If you've got investment real estate or you're thinking about getting into investment real estate, Grant has been there before. He knows from experience some of the pitfalls and challenges that you may face. So if you're even thinking about investment real estate or you're looking for an exit strategy, call Grant at Doorhout Retirement Services and ask for your complimentary, no cost, no obligation, retirement blueprint review. You can get it by calling 402-281-0750. Go ahead and call it this weekend while you're thinking about it. Simply leave your information. Lisa will give you a call back on Monday and set up an appointment for you to come in and sit down with Grant and ask your questions. Once again, that number 402-281-0750. Highly encourage you to do it this weekend while there are still some slots available for you. You can also find out more about the firm and request your consultation online at DoorhoutRetirementServices.com. That's D-O-R-H-O-U-T RetirementServices.com. Want more talk about sustaining your wealth and thriving in a retirement that could last 30 plus years? Stay tuned for more Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout after this. We're back with more strategies for a successful retirement. This is the Retirement Blueprint. Once again, here's Grant Dorhout and Jeff Shea. Thank you so much for making this as part of your weekend plans here on the Retirement Blueprint. We hope you have a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Once again, you got questions or comments about our show. Maybe you want us to talk about something we haven't talked about. That number to call, 402-281-0750, 402-281-0750. We would love to hear from you. Well, granted, this time of the year, people get together. Holidays, you know, the family is around. I think of that National Lampoon's Christmas vacation when the whole family is around there. Hopefully, you won't have an experience like that. But nevertheless, people get together, and inevitably, when they get together, there's always an, an elderly, you know, uncle or a grandfather or something like that. You're always going to hear things at these parties, and there's some really bad money conversations. So I want to talk mm-hmm. about some of the things that you might hear and how you might want to really rebut these or sort of just realistically vet what these people are saying. The first one I hear, oh, the stock market is crashing. You stay out of that stock market. Yeah, I've heard that plenty of times. Yeah, just put all your money in cash because you don't want any part of that stock market. That's the evil thing that's going to lose all your money. There's actually a gentleman that uh, that I know of that he does certain presentations and the whole presentation is around how the market is the devil and it's the worst thing that you could be in and all you're going to do is lose money and you should put it in this other type of, uh, of a product with him that has no risk of loss. And that's just not true. I mean, if you're utilizing the market properly, if you're utilizing the market in a responsible way and you you have your goals dictating what investment you're going into rather than you know just throwing caution to the wind and going into the market if your goals based investing that's just not true I mean you can have your money in the market in all markets and you just change what your strategy is based on what your needs are that's not then you're not gonna have you know that that cousin at the Christmas table saying hey you need to take all that money out you know it that's just not 
a good plan because money just sitting in cash is just lazy and not doing anything for you. Right. And I think the best way to respond to that is maybe not to respond at all or just agree with them or, you know, just don't really encourage them to continue with that. I mean, you know better than that. You're a financial advisor. So take all that with a grain of salt. But I think just going with the flow a little bit is the answer here for the stock market is crashing. Now, people also will come up to you and go, hey, 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 I've got a hot stock tip for you. My mailman (laughs) told me about this stock. How do you react when people say, I got a hot tip for you? Well, I'm fine with people taking some swings. I, I really am. We got we have some people that they still do, uh, that they want to take a big swing at maybe a penny stock that they think might make a ton of money. Or I had one a couple years ago that they thought that they should purchase in an unmanaged account that they wanted to buy some marijuana stocks. They thought that that was going to be a good thing. And, you know, the marijuana stocks in the last couple of years, they just have not uh, have not gone really well. And, right. you know, that's why when you when you start saying, hey, you know what, I, w- I really want to go into this, whatever stock it is. If you're looking at something like Tesla, or if you're looking at Microsoft or Apple or something that's more tried and true and proven, you're taking on a different risk going into these individual stocks versus someone that says, hey, have you ever heard of XYZ stock? They do this and it is completely unique. Well, that's a pretty big risk. So I wouldn't put a ton of money into that type of an individual stock. A general rule that I tell people is, If you're looking at individual stocks or individual investments, I would encourage you not to have more than 5% in any one of them, because then you're not overexposed to that one stock going really, really wrong. I've I've met people that have 25 to 50% of their millions and millions of dollars that are sitting in one individual stock because they, they really like it and it's done really well for them for a very long time. And I get it. Uh, it's a really, really risky route to go. I wouldn't suggest that, but for some people it's it's okay that they, that they do that. I just wouldn't want any of my clients going down that road. Keep that in mind, 5%. 5% is a good number to not have anything more than that in any one individual stock. So beware of any conversations regarding allocating a large portion of your investment portfolio to to a single stock investment, and then excuse yourself to refresh your drink very, very quickly. (laughs) We're talking about uh, what the heck is Uncle Bob talking about at the holiday party, getting ready for some really bad money conversations. What about if somebody says AI, two words for you here, or two letters, AI, that is the future. Put all your money in that. Yeah, so artificial intelligence, yes, it, it could be the future. I don't believe it's here now yet. I don't think that that's something that you need to say, you know what, that's that's the definite direction for even a portion of your money at this point. We, we've been seeing some of our allocations that, you know, we dabbled in uh, that had AI associated with them. Depending on the way that that artificial intelligence is set up, if it's set up to look through history and it says, you know what, we're going to look at what headlines were happening back in, you know, the last hundred years and see what the headlines today are and then see what happened to the market in the past and invest accordingly. Well, the problem with it is there's a lot of things that are happening in our world right now that it, that haven't happened before. You know, when you when you look at certain things presidentially and, and uh, if you look at certain things politically, just all of Washington or worldwide uh, with wars, and it, 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 there's a lot of uncertainty out there that really hurts AI. And that, that does become a bit of an issue if you're going to be relying on that to make great decisions for you. So I would throw some caution at people. I do think that certain stocks that are very AI-based have done 
done really, really well this year. I think they're probably going to continue to do relatively well, but I, I, I wouldn't say that we're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater and go all AI all the time at this point yet. Well, I'm sure that AI will derail some of the conversation, but somebody will no doubt bring things back around to cryptocurrency eventually. How do you feel about cryptocurrency? I never have been a fan of, uh, of crypto. And there's someone that's listening to this right now that says, oh, man, he really missed out when, you know, when uh, when Bitcoin went from, you know, a few thousand up to 60,000. Yep, that's true. However, I always have looked at it from a crypto standpoint, the, the tangibility of it and the lasting nature of it is in question with me still, because, you know, who knows what's going to happen if the what if the United States creates their own cryptocurrency and then you have to get rid of your Bitcoin. Is that possible? I don't know. It might happen. I just think that with Bitcoin and, you know, if you look at Ethereum, you look at all these different Dogecoin and all of the different cryptocurrencies, I just think that it's too big of a risk, right. especially for the crowd that we're talking with to have any significant portion of their money in a cryptocurrency. I had someone in my office uh, maybe six, eight months ago that uh, I met them at a dinner and her number one concern when she came in was me helping her cash out some investment that her husband made in a cryptocurrency. And in that cryptocurrency, he neglected or where he bought that cryptocurrency through, he neglected to put her on as mm. the beneficiary. Wow. How do you get that money out of there then? Because there's mm. no one that you can actually go to. There's no one that you can actually talk with. And, and we fought and fought and fought to get nowhere with that particular currency. And, and those types of things just, they, they bring me pause. Because if I have someone that is in a uh, life insurance, if they're in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, if they're in the, in the market, or if they're in annuities or whatever it may be, we know where these companies are and where we can actually access these funds from and where we can get help from. There's a, a different level of reliability. So I, again, I'm just not a big fan of crypto. If your friend says, I'm going to make millions on crypto, congratulate them. And again, go refresh yeah. your drink. <laughs> In my view, I think cryptos are the Seinfeld of currencies. So Jerry once said, Seinfeld is a show about nothing. Crypto is a currency about nothing. So consider that. We're talking about some holiday conversations that you might hear this holiday season with Grant Dorhout of Dorhout Retirement Services. The next Next one is people telling you what the Fed is going to do next. I don't know. Does Jerome Powell even know what he wants to do next? Well, yeah, they led on as to what they anticipate for 2024 uh, in, in the potential for cutting rates. And we've seen recently a big spike in what the, the stock market has done as a result of that, that the market is anticipating rate cuts and that's going to be good for the stock market. No, I don't believe that they really know what they're going to do next. I think that they're going to take it quarter by quarter and see you know where we currently are and, and let that dictate what interest rates do. And we've seen we've seen the mortgage rates just plummet here recently, going from I believe the high that I saw was eight point one percent, if right. I remember right, and right. Uh, and just this past week it was about six and a half. I think it was yeah. six point six was the number for a thirty year rate. So we've seen a bunch of movement in currencies already, but no, I don't believe that they really know definitively what's going to happen over the next year because we don't know what type of headwinds uh, could be six months down the road economically if there is some 
something, then they're going to be able to cut rates uh, to be able to help the economy. So I, I don't know that they what they said here just a, a little bit ago, if it's going to hold true or if it's going to be completely different a year from now. I don't think that there's going to be any need to pull rates back as a result of economic concerns anytime soon. But you, uh, they might want to pull them back to avoid that in advance here in the first or second quarter. I don't think it's going to be aggressive, though. And also at the family holiday party this time of the year, I think you're also going to be hearing a lot of talk about inflation. Some people will say it's over. Others will chime in with talk about the cost of eggs. Everyone will quote a different price. And the only one who knows the actual current price for various key commodities will be in the kitchen, making sure that the pie crust is not burning. <laughs> so with that in mind, when people talk about inflation, it's over with or it's, con- you know, it's going to continue to climb. How would you respond to something like that in a polite manner? I would say let's just analyze the data. The data is that, yes, a year and a half ago, we were at about, I believe that the height of it was 9% year over year. Yes, it has pulled back into the threes, and I think it'll probably continue to go down here a little bit. The fact is that, yes, the, the damage is done. We have a lot of things that are drastically more expensive. I don't think that it's gonna continue to go up at the same rate. I think that in terms of the interest rates that we've seen, the fluctuations. We've tempered inflation to a a tolerable point, I believe, at this point. That being said, I mean, my son, he wanted Apple Jacks here last week. I went in and the small box of Apple Jacks was $4.99. I was was shocked. I mean, some of these things have gone up so exponentially that, yes, it is there, but I don't believe it's going to continue because if it did continue at the pace that it's gone since the mid to 2020s, if it continue to go up at that pace, that would be completely crippling. And I don't believe that the Fed is going to allow that to happen so that because then our economy is really in deep trouble if we have that big of uh, that big of inflation. As my dad used to say, you know, some of his concerns years ago, this is when I was a kid, I thought it sounded so corny. But uh, when he'd say, you know, is it gonna, if inflation gets too bad, it'll take a wheelbarrow full of money to buy right. a loaf of bread. And that's true. I don't believe they're going to let it get to that. That is true uh, that 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 could get there if 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 we didn't stop it, but we're we're not there at this point that it's going to, you know, five years from now that we're going to be wheelbarrow full of money to buy a loaf of bread. I think we're I think we're on a better path at this point, especially with the 2024 outlook. We've been talking with Grant Dorhout of Dorhout Retirement Services about holiday conversations that you might hear at the family gathering this year. If you want to sit down and talk with Grant about these conversations and really, I think, just get yourself off to a great start in 2024, sort of a roadmap, if you will, for a retirement which you not only survive, but you also thrive, call Grant and request your Dorhout Retirement Services review. You can do it by calling 402-281-0750. That's 402-281-0750. Be sure to do it this weekend. Leave your information, Lisa. We'll call you back on Monday and we'll try to get you in before the end of the year. We can't make any guarantees, but you will not have to wait months and months for an appointment at Doorhout Retirement Services. Once again, that number 402-281-0750. Do yourself a favor and get your 2024 off to the right start. Well, Grant, we're out of time for this week. I want to thank you for your time, but most of all, I want to thank our fine listeners here in the Omaha area for joining us. For Grant Doorhout, I'm Jeff Shade. Have a great holiday weekend. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of the Retirement Blueprint right here on News Talk 1290 COIL.
The opinions voiced in the Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout are for general information and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Examples provided are hypothetical and for illustrative purposes only. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. Investing in an alternative investment may only be suitable for persons who are able to assume the risk of losing a portion or all of their entire investment. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. The performance of any index is not indicative of the performance of any investment and does not consider the effects of inflation and the fees and expenses associated with investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Jeff Shade and show guests are not affiliated with CWM LLC.